Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Ian Tudor of the Archimedes Group. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind please taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Ian graduated from Virginia Tech with a major in finance. He began his career in the financial development program at Genworth Financial. He then joined Parkway Properties, a Class A office REIT, as a member of the investments division. During his tenure at Parkway, Ian underwrote over $1 billion in acquisitions and dispositions. Ian left to start Archimedes Group with Ryan Norris, who was on a previous uh, interview. In their, they're based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. They have sourced, participated, and closed over $20 million in deals since 2016. And currently, Ian focuses on growing and operating the portfolio. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the work that you do and what, you're, what you've been able to build over the past few years yourself. So it's always great to catch up. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. It's, it's fun to uh, you know, communicate and, and stay up to date with you guys as well. And we're kind of the young, the young group in this uh, you know, mom and pop uh, industry. So it's, it's fun to bring that new life. Absolutely. Well, let's jump right into the questions, man. Can you tell us you know, your story and how you got into manufactured housing? I think everyone has like a, a unique path and it, it seems like just based off of your bio you have some some pretty cool uh you know stepping stones yeah so i got into real estate at 23 i had a mentor when i was at genworth who kind of showed me the world he saw the world a little bit different than other i'd say middle managers and you know he was the first i remember he was the first time in like 2013 or 14 i saw like a million dollars on a screen. He had like a million plus dollars in a in a stock trading account that he had, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is so crazy." And so he he saw the world a little bit differently. Was really interested in investments. Had some real estate that he owned in the Northeast, and then he bought a house in Hawaii that he was like Airbnb back uh, several years back. And so it spurred my interest of like, "Oh, this is kind of interesting." So I went on this deep dive of real estate, starting to meet with a lot of people. And I was in Richmond at the time and just kind of found that real estate was something that I was interested in. And so I bought a house at 23 and kind of started house hacking, I guess is the term they do now had roommates um, and live basically rent free. Um, And I just realized that real estate was more of an interest for me than corporate finance. So started to look for opportunities and landed in Orlando, uh, working with a great company in Parkway um, and was really immersed into how commercial real estate and institutional real estate played out. So I did a lot of models, worked on, you know, half a billion dollar uh, portfolio deals and did some really cool acquisitions and dispositions as an analyst, kind of, you know, the Excel monkey behind things and just like kind of coordination of a lot of large uh, transactions, which was pretty cool. 
but I always had this interest of wanting to build my own thing and just have not be reliant on anyone out and a path to wealth. And so I started to look for single family homes within Orlando. And at the time, it just felt things were weren't priced. I looked at flipping houses. And then I looked at actually buying individual mobile homes because I said, oh, this sounds fascinating. It's lower capital requirements and pretty reasonable returns. But the guy who I was living with at the time who worked with me at Parkway, he's like, why don't you buy the entire park? And it put off a light bulb. And at that time, I purchased uh, Frank and Dave's just informational packet. Uh, that was in 2014. Was looking to start a company. So I, I was trying to start a company with him. And it was, it just, it didn't really go where I expected. So I still played with the idea, started looking for other investment opportunities. And Ryan and I reconnected in 2015. I pitched him the idea in the middle of 2015 after he suggested maybe we go into business together and it just stuck. And so that's, you know, really where that, that grew. It was a lot of circumstance and, you know, just investigation. And I didn't really, I would say, seek it out. I kind of just stumbled upon it. And then that idea, we just watered it and it continued to grow into what we have today. Dude, that is so awesome. And I love the fact that you were in Orlando here. You know, I'm in Oviedo, which is a, a suburb of Orlando. Right. And around that same time is when I was looking into mobile homes and I was doing Lonnie deals, like buying individual trailers. So uh, in another life, right, like we could have, met in 2015 and, and, uh, you know, done some deals together or something that would have been crazy. It's yeah, it's funny. There's actually a lot of players out of Orlando now that I kind of spent some more time there. Well, when I did and uh, my investment partner is down there now, and I told my buddy about mobile home parks and now he, he I'll connect you with them, but he now has, you know, three, 400 lots in the past two years that he's been able to put together in central Florida. Wow. So it's, and then there's several other operators that spun out of that. So I never really realized how many players actually came out of Orlando. So I don't know what you guys are doing down there, but some's <laughs> working. Yeah. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of really nice parks, you know, the 55 and older amenity rich parks. And, you know, I don't know, maybe that just, attracts people to the to the asset class or something but Ian tell us what has been the toughest hurdle for you in the business yeah so there's a I mean I, th I think there's a couple one is uh, Ryan and I very early on were very hands-on in, in a lot of ways and I think the struggle for us was just always determining when to hire someone when to do it yourself like delegation has been a little bit harder so I think that's in some ways, I might have capped our growth uh, to some extent, just because we always felt that, you know, we wanted to have a handle on a lot of things, but there's levels of growth as you're going through this business, as I'm sure you've, you've experienced as well as, you know, you're, you're growing quite rapidly. And so just kind of shedding your old ideas to embrace new ideas of what things need to happen. And at different stages, certain mindsets are more important than others. Um, it's taken us some time to embrace those. And now that I'm sitting where I am today, I start to see that as just, you know, vital to make sure that you're up, going up the stairs, the staircase the right way and kind of getting to that next level of growth, because the things you do at 100 lots and even 200 lots is way different than 500 and 1000 2000, you know, as you as you continue, continue to scale. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And you know, back when it was, it was just a 300 lot, you know, portfolio, 
you know, you, you wear many hats, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of the things yourself, you know, from taking the trash out here in the office to, you know, climbing under homes and, and changing out water valves, which I've done a few times. So at this stage, though, when you get, you know, above, I don't know, over around a thousand lots, you know, it, it's, it's a completely different animal. And it's all about delegation and systems. And uh, that's been that's been a hurdle for us as well. So I'm with you there. Ian, uh, what do you think is the most important things that passive investors, you know, we're talking limited partners here, what do they need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? Like the most important? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things to consider, but the biggest thing I see is, you know, the ability to capital raise from someone and operate, those aren't necessarily the same skill sets. And so you can be a great capital raiser, a great brand, uh, but the person who's actually doing the work on the operations isn't necessarily the same person and is requires a wildly different personality at times. So I see a lot of these larger funds. I um, mean, after speaking with some of the LPs and just, I realize the the story and the narrative doesn't necessarily equal the results of what they're actually seeing within the community progress and just making sure that they have systems and people in place and it's usually not them doing and making sure that those those deals are getting kind of turned around the way that they should be has to be relatively strong or at least it should have some track record of having several successful turns just because you know buying a deal is one thing but as you know turning around or bringing in 30 homes is like it's a monumental task and the person raising the capital usually isn't the person doing all that as well they're checking in but you know you probably want dedicated people to to do that because people underestimate how much work it actually takes to you know run mobile home parks that is an amazing point and i can't believe that that hasn't come up on our show yet like the fact that raising capital in its own sense is a very interesting task right like it's more marketing and talking and more kind of like a sales role right and then the operations side of things is, uh, you know, very, even needs to be very organized and system oriented and people oriented and hiring. And it's, you're exactly right to, to, to make that all work, uh, is, is very difficult. So uh, I agree with you. It takes a team. It takes the right talents, you know, from different people. And we use a, a personality assessment. You guys probably use something similar and, uh, you know, it just helps us kind of identify from a high level, hey, what is this person going to be good at? You know, is, is this the right role for them? So uh, the one we use is called the predictive index. I don't know if you ever okay. heard of that. Yeah, I mean, we personally don't do um, personality assessments, but it's actually not a bad idea because through hiring several people now, uh, we, you know, several things we find six months later of like strength and weaknesses that we ne didn't necessarily see um, at the front end. Um, and then that, you know, just gives you a broader understanding of where they might be stronger than less. Like we have one manager, she's great for a lot of things. Um, but one of the things she doesn't really like confrontation. So like keeping yards clean is just a little bit more of a struggle because it incites a lot of like just anxiety to actually like yeah. go confront something about someone. And so having that information is super useful because otherwise you're going to be stepping in to, you know, fill those gaps. Yeah, no, that's a that's that's a very good point. Uh, Ian, what does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes, and why? 
Yeah. So I, you know, one thing that Ryan and I have found just through the space is we found a, a niche within this space that I would say a lot of people probably maybe haven't considered. And the thing that we like is one, we like larger metros. We've done some experience, you know, experiments in some more rural markets and we like strong metros. So we're really invested in Charlotte, Greenville and Knoxville. Those are kind of our kind of markets that we play in. Um, and we find that when you have large amounts of park owned homes, usually, you know, the nicer, the nicer, the better um, in the park, um, with a reasonable size between 30 and 70 units. Obviously, if we could have 100, we'd love that too. But we find between the 30 and 70 units within our strong MSA, um, reasonable home quality, those are our favorite parks. And, and people don't understand why. And it, it's because it allows us to dictate where lot rent goes. So for us, if someone's $200 below market rents, Ryan and I don't really subscribe to the idea of jacking someone's rents $200 in a year. Like it's just, it's really hard for us from a um, kind of being like an empathetic standpoint. Like we've never sure. done that. It's just something we don't really subscribe to people, obviously more than, more than willing to do that. Um, you know, run your business how you please. But the, what we find in mobile home parks with all park owned homes is you can set the lot rent at market much quicker than, you know, moving someone over three year, three, four year time frame, $50 a year to get to that $200 when that market might have moved again, then for us to sell off park owned homes and basically hit our mark in year one or two, and we can refinance much quicker. So it allows us to multiply our capital faster when we you know, buy parks that are mostly park owned home. That works well though, because we're relatively tight geographically. Uh, if you had, you know, 10 of those parks in 10 different states, that's really hard to manage, obviously. Yes. So it, you know, again, it's like our strategy is very dialed in. It just allows us to operate on those where, you know, we can turn a park like that around in a year um, and pull out a ton of equity relatively quickly. Yeah. That's uh that's that's big. You know, there's only been a couple other investors that we've spoken with that like the park owned home model. And I think you bring a really good point. You know, you're in top metros and they're close together. So you probably can, you know, use the same contractors over and over again and build those relationships where, you know, when when we buy a park that's outside of our, you know, outside of our our current footprint. You know, we got to rebuild relationships from scratch. So it's it's definitely uh, you're taking more risk when you got a bunch of park owned homes. But if you got the same guys, that makes a lot of sense. So that's that's really interesting. What common mistakes do operators make that you see? Uh, you know, through your coaching and and speaking with uh, newer operators and and so forth. Yeah. So Ryan and I, you know, we started a mentorship program about a year ago. Um, had about 30 students gone through it, give or take. And uh, I say working with quite a few iterations of people kind of coming into the space, I think several people don't necessarily dig deep enough on like where they fit in in the space. They're like, oh, I want mobile home parks. And they list all the reasons why people love mobile home parks. But that doesn't really get you to the core reason for why you're buying mobile home parks. I see a lot of people buy it for the same reason everyone else is. And that's okay. But I think it's more important to have a personal strategy and start to reverse engineer what you're trying to get to. What I find is a lot of people kind of just mirror other people like yourself, like you are unique in the way that one, you have the work ethic, the personality traits, as well as the, you know, just 
overall vision to do a massive company. I actually don't think a lot of people have that, like that nice combination of all those things, but they say they want to, but then they, their work doesn't match that or they don't have the you know willingness to go through the things that you've gone through to get that. And so what I find is most people actually need a lot less units to actually find their happy place, which is kind of fascinating because uh, most people I, I find are actually, you know, could be perfectly happy with a few partners and only own 150 lots instead of trying to go to the moon with 10,000. Um, and that actually makes the goal much more achievable and they actually find more happiness and fulfillment with doing that because they actually don't love the business. They just love the idea of what the business can give them, which is usually time and financial freedom. Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, and a lot of people that I speak with that are newer operators, you know, it's like, hey, what, what would just 3000 a month of extra cash flow do for you? Like, it doesn't have to be 30000 a month, right? Like, what, what would just 3000 a month do for you? Would that change your life? And most of them are like, yeah, that would, that would do quite a bit. And if you reverse engineer that down to the number of lots you'd need, you know, it's, it's actually not as many as, as most think. So that is a very good point for all new operators out there that are thinking of getting into the space. You know, I think that is, is really important to look at up front for sure, because not all people are willing to sacrifice cash flow for the sake of growing your property management company, which yeah. has been an ongoing thing since day one for me. And, you know, that's, that's, I just listened to, to Ryan's podcast recently about, you know, what they don't tell you about a thousand lots. And he brings a lot of good points to, uh, to the, to the surface there. So that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, as, as, as you've witnessed yourself, I mean, you're further along the journey than we are in terms of, you know, scale of company. And the, the thing that we find just fascinating is people want the end result, but the work to get there is actually, it's, it's a lot. Like you, you, just can't, you can't even like think through all the things that go wrong, you know, even just like small, you know, last year we had, you know, four homes get burnt down, three of them with arsons that our residents were mad at us. And so then it's just like, just, and that's a small, I mean, that's a small issue compared to, you know, some of the things we got to. And I'm sure, you know, once a week you have something you're just like, man, I did not expect that to happen, you know? And so it's yeah. just, you always have to be on. Um, and I don't think everyone needs that. You know, I don't think everyone yeah. needs that. And um, having that self-awareness is so important. I think that also makes better owners too, because I've yeah. seen a lot of larger open uh, operators that went big, they're no longer here with us. Um, and they, their partnership fractured because I think they're chasing the wrong thing. Yeah, no, that's a, a very, very important part. Uh, let me ask you this, Ian, you know, what does the business look like as we, you know, thrust forward uh, through 2021 and into the future? You know, what are the major hurdles that the industry could face? Yeah, so, I mean, there's, I, I don't see the industry going back. I think there's some of the old guys are like, oh, there's, there's this time frame when like parks are going to come back when there's like 10 caps and like this, this, I think they have this notion that the world's going to come back to the way that it used to be. And I just don't see that. I think the capital, the world knows about it. Um, the secrets kind of out in a lot of ways. And so like the idea that deals are going to be um, wildly cheaper in the future, I think is kind of, 
I, I think that's a false belief. I, I really do. And so the hurdles, so if you're coming into this space, um, I think it's important to kind of work with the environment that you're kind of going through. Uh, certain states are obviously going to get, I think, more restrictive on, you know, mobile home parks, and it might make it more difficult uh, to just like from a rent control standpoint, um, especially with you know, certain governments are more likely to put protections in for tenants than others. So that's going to definitely, I don't see how that would slow down. It seems like, uh, you know, one particular party in particular is just, is is going to advance that ball a little bit more than others. Sure. Uh, so I'd be definitely hesitant in certain states to necessarily grow large, but I'm sure there's a niche there that people can figure out and, and be relatively successful. And then I think you mentioned the minimum wage, the minimum, you know, the 15 hour minimum wage. I, I, I think that could have an effect too, because as you know, um, you know, mobile home park can only support a certain amount of employment given the size of these parks. And so if you have a much higher cost burden, it's just going to be harder to get into parks because your expense ratio is higher. And it's just going to, you know, require probably less hiring in some in some regards and maybe just, you know, pooling resources to spread over more parks because you can't afford to hire enough people to actually manage the properties that you have. So, I mean, those are just a, a few of them. I hope... I hope long term that um, owners, I put out a LinkedIn post today, just like owners in general um, start working much heavy, heavier with city officials and maybe even there's some lobbying to allow some more mobile home development because this is a real last affordable solution for for people throughout the United States that's not government subsidized um, and people kind of seem not to remember that. Like a brand new yeah. park today is it's obviously going to be a gorgeous asset. You're not going to be bringing in a, a one-star asset into development. It's always, you know, it's just like apartments today. They come at, they come at the top end. So you're going to have great, great developments coming. And I would love to see more of that, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that would be a great next step if we can get into some new development again. And, you know, I, I think it was one of Frank Rolf's podcasts I was listening to. And he said that back in like, the 70s, there was like a, a fi really attractive financing where you could build a mobile home park for like 3% down, you know, like an FHA loan type of deal. So, you know, imagine if there was something like that available, what that could do. But yeah, I think you brought some good points to light there. You know, inflation, obviously, I'm not sure if you guys see it, but we yeah. see it every day with the cost of lumber, the cost of, you know, everything is going up right now. It's happening, right? And in, in markets where there's, no rent control, you know, we're able to more easily pass that inflation through to the residents, you know, through rent increases and so forth. That's but, a good point. But like you said, you know, in markets that have rent control, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, you'll, you'll be capped at what you can do. So uh, yeah, I, I agree with you that that is one uh, facet of the business that to keep an, to, to keep an eye out for, for sure. Ian, so tell me about the Archimedes Group. You know, what is your, your value proposition and what makes you guys different? You know, maybe you can also touch a little bit more on your mentorship program. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, I'd say we're, we're pretty laser focused on what we want and don't want, which we haven't raised a fund. So we don't have like any deadlines to put out a lot of capital, which I think is kind of to our benefit and kind of the reason why we've grown the way that we have. But we focus 
location first. And the reason why is we feel rent growth is going to be highest there in markets where, again, we're allowed to raise rents to what um, that rent growth will be. Um, and then second, w- you know, the thing that Ryan and I've done was, as you have as well, is we've just been in a lot of different scenarios with mobile home parks. So I feel like we've gotten a lot of different experiences. We've, you know, we lived in a mobile home park, we've moved in homes, we've, we've had some RV components, we've done deals with small 25 units up to, you know, several hundred units, uh, quite a few different states and rural markets and urban markets. So it gives us um, a lot of perspective in terms of the types of deals that we feel we can operate and execute relatively quickly um, in terms of finding um, those opportunities. And I guess we have a little bit higher degree of certainty in terms of our ability to execute on those deals, just because uh, we've seen quite a few iterations in, you know, 20, 20 markets or something like that, you know? Oh, totally. That's huge. And being laser focused with what your niche is and where you see the opportunity in the market, you know, there's so many different niches, like you mentioned earlier, you know, in real estate as a whole, right? But then just in mobile home parks, there's there's a niche. Like I saw that there's a new fund for mobile home parks that only have private utilities. Like who would have thought, right? Yeah. But a lot of people at first glance are passing on those opportunities because they don't want to deal with those private utilities. But if you only buy parks with private utilities, you know, you'll know them and you can probably afford someone that's an expert in those uh, functionings of, of private utilities. So I love that you guys are laser focused like that. That's, that's huge. I mean, we don't do a lot of infill either. Some guys are really like you do a lot more infill than we do. And some guys are really good at infill. And that's a huge, that's a huge advantage. If you have the ability to bring in say 50 homes in two years or whatever that number is and have a kind of a whole leasing platform to make sure that those get purchased. Like Ryan and I, that's not our, that's not our game plan. Like we don't, we, we're not well suited for that. We don't have the systems for that. So the people who can do that, they make really good money, but it's a wildly different cost of capital and a wildly different just business model to make that work. And I've seen, you know, quite a few people have been wildly successful doing that and can turn parks around in three years. Yeah. What you focus on, you you get better at, right. And it seems like you and Ryan have done a good job of that. And you know, with myself, you know, infilling homes and, and starting a transport company was, was part of that. And, you know, we've gotten better at it. So uh, totally, totally agree with you, dude. Uh, Ian, if our listeners would like to get a hold of you and maybe get more information about your mentorship program uh, or the Archimedes group in general, what is the best way for them to do so? Yeah, sure. So just a, a quick second on our mentorship program. So Ryan and I, what we really do is we we have a several month mentorship program uh, for people who are interested in getting in the spaces. People, you know, looking to acquire their a mobile home park. Several people in the in our mentorship program already have parks, looking to buy another one or help with the operations of the park that they're in. And the whole goal of that is to start with strategy and work their way towards closing a mobile home park. So it's all geared towards specific advice to kind of keep people accountable um, to purchase their mobile home park. And with the 30, we have several, you know, we have several people still kind of currently in it with, but with the 30 of the past year that's kind of gone through it, you know, 15 of them 
I think it's it's between 10 and 15 of them have put a park under contract and or closed. So it's a pretty high success rate of people actually kind of putting forth offers, getting things under contract, and several of them have closed, which we're really, really excited about at the end of the day. Um, you know, as you know, mobile home parks in general, the actual business is where the money's made. This is something that we just, we really enjoy uh, helping other people get into the business. And it's really fulfilling to actually help people kind of make that mental leap to actually get into ownership. Um, in terms of getting in, in touch with us, Ryan obviously has a podcast that everyone um, feel free to listen to. It's called MHP IRL. Ryan puts a lot of work into that and has been going on for about three years. Um, that's really his passion project and he's done a great job of cultivating that. I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn as well as we have a Facebook group. Um, it's MHP Mastermind, about 2000 members in it. You can you feel free to jump in there as well. A lot of people um, sharing deals and just their thoughts on the industry and helping each other out. It's a free group. It's We have no real intention with that other than to, you know, um, allow people to discuss and have a, it's like a watering hole for uh, mobile home park owners. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, or you could reach out to us on our website, which is www.archimedesgrp.com. Awesome, man. And yeah, I mean, your mentorship program, I just love that. I wish that was around when I was getting started. You know, a lot of people don't know that I started trying to buy a mobile home park in 2015, but it actually took me two years to buy my first deal. And I wasn't ready, you know, it, it took, it was two years and I wasn't ready until 2017 to buy that park. So if you guys could speed that up with that handholding and, and providing that community of people to reach out to, and just think about, you know, whatever the cost is, just think about the resources that you guys could give to, a, you know, a mentee, like who, who to go to for lenders, you know, due diligence help, management scenarios, valuation help. So I just, I just love that. I think that you guys have a great thing going. And then I love the Facebook group. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are already members there. Uh, but Ian, dude, it was, it was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for, for coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. It's always, it's always great to catch up. Awesome. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over a hundred five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.